Good morning, church. How are you? I think it's finally fitting to say, Merry Christmas. You did so much better than the first service. I don't think they're in the spirit at all. How many, like Keaton, he kind of posed the question, but he didn't really amp it up. How many Christmas lovers do we have in the room this morning? Like, give me something. Yes. All right. Now, how many Christmas haters do we have in the room this morning? You can go ahead and get on out of here. It's the best time of year. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the music. I love the lights. I love the presents. I love the food. It's all wonderful. Merry Christmas, church. Well, this morning we're going to set up a brand new sermon series called Gift Swap. Have you ever been guilty? Now, primarily, I'm speaking to the husband-wife duo. But have you ever been guilty of uh, giving a gift? And even in the moment that you gave it, you knew that that probably wasn't your very best effort. Anybody? Anybody guilty of that? Usually the, the guys in the room, we just did not pay attention. We did not take notes well enough. We walked into the department store and bought the first thing that we thought might work, right? And on Christmas morning, we found out that that is not going to work at all. Anybody? Know what I'm talking about? And, and then the, the wives in the room, you spend so much time, pretty much 12 months thinking, how can I bless my husband? Like, I, I, I write all these notes, and I, and I think about what he really loves, and on Christmas morning, I just give it to him. And in that moment, you realized, guys, that, man, she really outdid me. And she gave me a wonderful gift. You know what I'm talking about? I, I'm going to share a story about my in-laws. They don't watch, so I can speak whatever I want to about them. And so... <laughs> They might watch this one. Who knows? But a few Christmases back, uh, my father-in-law uh, bought my mother-in-law a Keurig. And you might be thinking, well, that's a, that's a great Christmas present. She doesn't drink coffee, church, <laughs> at all. And you might be thinking, wow, he did himself a favor. He, drink, he does not drink coffee either. <laughs> Christmas, that great time of swapping gifts. Well, this morning, this big old pile of presents over here, there's nothing in them. It's just for you to look at. Uh, kind of sets this thought up of what, what are we given this year? That, that Christmas is, is gifts, right? We can say it's about Jesus and it is about Jesus, but on Christmas morning, you're probably going to share some gifts. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about how we can give God not all that great of a gift to receive a really perfect gift. I don't know about you, but... God is a really good gift giver, is he not, church? But here's where we're at in the Christmas season, in the holiday season, really. Is that from the stage, we've got lights and all around town and social media, you know, it's all fun, it's all smiles, it's, it's joy, it's peace, it's love, it's all these happy thoughts. And the holidays might do this for you. You're trying, to, you're trying to balance because you know, like, man, this is like the happiest time of the year, especially if they have, like kids in the home. Like, man, it's wonderful. But on the, on the very other side of the scale, you're like, man, this is a tough time of year. The reality of the holidays is that while it is absolutely the hap happiest time of year, it can also be the most dreaded time of year. That perhaps the holiday season for many bring up these emotions of worry and anxiety and grief. 
loneliness. We just wonder what to do with them. So over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how we can give God that not-so-great gift for him to return a perfect gift. And this morning, the gift that we're swapping, the gift that we're exchanging, is our worry. We're going to be swapping our worry for his peace. This time of year, if you're a worrier, if you're a naturally anxious person, it just seems like this particular time of year enhances that emotion that's already there. Uh, if you're looking at the calendar, just last week we sat down, my wife and I, we looked at the calendar of everything we got to do, all the kids' stuff we got to go, all the places we got to, you know, and you're like, ah, how am I going to fit all this into this month of December? And you, you begin to worry, be stressed out about how can I get everywhere that I need to get. And, and also heard about this article that came out uh, this, this past week uh, about uh, talking about financial stress during Christmas. And on average, the average American household is going to spend $700 more this year on Christmas than they did last year. Anybody feeling that already? Whether it be gas or food or, or toys or gifts, like everything's gone up. And so when you look at, at the bank account, you're like, how is this going to happen? You get stressed. You get worried. You get anxious about how this is going to happen. How, how can I make this happen? And many of you in the room are probably thinking, I don't have to have Christmas the season to enhance my worry or anxiety. I'm already an anxious person. Like, I'm already there. Do, do we have any, I just want you to own it this morning. Uh, do we have any worriers in the room? I am one. Yes, I feel for you. I really do. This morning, we're going to learn, we're going to look and see how we can swap that worry for the precious gift of peace. But what we have to understand ultimately about our anxiety and our worry is that it's fear. It's fear of man, it's fear of loss, it's fear of the future, it's fear of uncertainty. And at the very root of fear is this self-love and pride. And I know that's tough to hear, but anxiety and worry are the result of our pride. We think, if I can worry enough, I can control the future. I, I can worry the worries away. I can have some sort of control over tomorrow if I was just to worry enough. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? If I can just worry enough Somehow, some way, it'll be fixed. Church, listen, that's a dangerous thought. You are putting yourself in the center of the story and pushing God to the fringes of the story. It's sinful and it's prideful. And I know that's tough to hear. But worry and, and anxiety are, are a result of our pride. Now, I want to be very, very sensitive to a group of people in this room that very well might have some severe clinical issues with this. And you have a, a chemical imbalance where you just struggle with this. I, I want to I point to you specifically this morning. I want you to trust God Almighty. And then I want you to seek help from those that are professionals, those that are equipped that can help you with that. They're a wonderful resource that I think God blesses us with. Well, at the same side, there's a form of anxiety, there's a form of worry that can be avoided. And that's what we're looking at. This morning. So there's going to be something on the screen. 
We are told to be anxious about nothing. Anxious about nothing with God. Be anxious about nothing with God. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. If I was a betting man, which I'm not because we're in church, I couldn't admit it even if I was, right? But if I was a betting man, I would bet if you're a worrier or someone that's anxious, this particular verse is highlighted or underlined in your hard copy of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. We've all heard it. It's a wonderful, beautiful passage. It says, don't worry about anything. And I looked in Scripture because sometimes we see anxiety, sometimes we see worry. In Scripture, those words are synonymous. They're used interchangeably. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's, what church? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here is when we see that totally one-sided gift exchange where we give God our worry and he gives us his peace. Anybody ever told you, if you're a worrier or if you're a naturally anxious person, anybody ever walked up to you, uh, maybe a friend, maybe, maybe a relative, was like, why are you worrying all the time? Why are you an anxious person? Don't you understand that God's good and he's in control? Anybody ever said that to you? And what do you want to do? Just... Right? Because if you're really a worrier, if you're an anxious person, you don't need to hear that. Like there's so much more to our worry and our anxiety. And a lot of people just don't understand, right, how deep this runs. And many of you, if you do struggle with worry and anxiety, you've looked at that passage. Now I want you to, I've got an itch in my nose. You're trying to bear with me. I've got to scratch it. And if you are, I've got to go again. I'm up here. You're not. Right? And if any of you have looked at this uh, passage of Scripture, and this is your worry, and this is your anxiety, you've probably looked at this passage of Scripture, and you've probably done what it said. I, I, I need to tell the Lord what's going on, and I need to have a thankful heart. That's what this passage of Scripture says. And if I do that, then I'll receive his peace. Now, what I want you to hear me say this morning is I am not running this verse into the ground. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture that has helped a lot of people. But what we need to understand this morning, if you are somebody that really, truly struggles with worry and anxiety, just reading this passage of Scripture and treating it like a Band-Aid will not fix the problem. What I understand about worry and anxiety is that its roots, it goes much deeper. And while this passage absolutely is beautiful and it's full of help, if we are going to have victory over our worry and our anxiety, we've got to look at the root of the problem. And as we discussed earlier, the root of the problem is pride. So if we're going to be people that are truly freed up from our worry and our anxiety, the answer to pride is humility. The answer to pride is humility. And God very much wants to grant you the peace that he talks about in this passage. And church, listen, I want you to experience that peace that Paul is talking about in this passage. But for God to give you that gift, we've got to understand the root cause of our worry. And that's pride. And listen, so many of us want so much 
to reach down and, and pull up our anxiety by its roots, but we cannot do it by ourselves. That's the reason we started. Be, worry about nothing with God. So how does God help us? How does God show us the, the root? How does he help us identify the roots of our worry? Well, the answer is humility. I want you to write this down. If you wrote down that question, how does God help us? He helps us identify. He gives us this peace for our worries and anxiety through true, honest humility. If we know that worry and anxiety or pride, I can control it. If I worry enough, I can have control over the situation. That never works out, does it? But it's our pride telling us that I can worry my worry away. And it never works. So we have to be people who are truly humble if we're going to have victory, if we're going to figure out the root of the issue. Let's go to 1 Peter 5. So we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Here's what he says. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Your version may read like cast, right? Cast all your worries on him. I love that imagery, right? We're gift swapping like that. I'm just giving God all my worries. And he's going to grant me his peace because he cares for me. What I love about this particular passage of Scripture is that Peter echoes a little bit of what Paul has already said. He says very much the same thing, but what I want you to understand about this particular passage is that he draws a very distinct link between our humility, between our humility and then giving our anxieties and our worries to God. There's a very, very strong link that I want you to see in this particular passage. And I don't know what you know about Peter, but when he wrote this, he was an old man, so I want you to read this. It's like, Grandpa Peter is helping me out. He, he's trying to encourage me in my worry. But what I think Peter does here is give us kind of this three-step approach to figuring out the root of the issue, the root of the worry, the root of the anxiety. He gives us this three-step approach. And I want you to write this first one down that he talks about. He says, and what I want you to understand about each one of these is every single one of them takes a great amount of humility. The first one is admit your worry. I don't know if you've ever been through some sort of step study for whatever issue that you're dealing with, whatever heartbreak, hurt, whatever it is. The first step's always admit that you got a problem. And so for many in this room, you've probably never aired it out to the Lord and said, I am a worrier. And what we need to do this morning is in humility approach God and say, I'm an anxious person. I'm an anxious person. I'm a worrier. I worry about my kids. I worry about my job. I worry about my life. I worry about my health. I worry, I worry, I worry, I worry, I worry. And you need to give that to God. You need to admit that you indeed are a worrier. You air that out. In humility, God can slowly start to change your heart. The second thing that Peter describes is that you need to admit that you are failing 
to trust God's character. Now, this one is very difficult. If you are a worrier, if you are an anxious person by nature, the last thing that you want to hear is that you're not trusting God. But at the root of it, your worry is a result of you not trusting God. Call spade a spade, right? You're not trusting the Lord. And you need to admit to him, you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and you need to say, God, I'm sorry. In my life, in my worry, in my anxiety, I am failing to recognize that you are sovereign. Children of God, God's sovereignty means that he is over everything, and you are not. That's what it means. So in our worry, we're, we're actually saying, God, I'm going to take your place, and I'm going to worry about it. When God is saying, I'm sovereign, and I've got it, don't worry. So you need to admit to him that you are failing to trust in his mighty hand. That takes a lot of humility. The third thing that we see here is that we need to admit, we need to admit your need for his help. Cast, throw, give your cares to God. But oftentimes, it's really difficult to do that. If you are a worrier, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is so hard to do this. And you need to approach God and you need to say, I can't do this on my own. I need your help at casting my worry on you. I need you. You see how, how each of these goes to the root of the problem, you and I, and our pride is slowly eliminated and humility slowly starts to enter the scene. We start to recognize that, that I can't do anything. My worry is not going to help the situation. My anxiety is not going to magically make things better. It's all on you, Lord. It's this three-step approach that going to the root of the problem, which is our pride we see in the book of numbers around chapter 13 we see these 12 spies sent into the promised land they're supposed to scope it out see if this is really all that it's cracked up to be does God really want us here so they go into the promised land and they see this land of of milk and honey and all these blessings but at the very same time with all these blessings that God has promised they see this overwhelming army and so they come back to the people of God and they're reporting about what they have found. Like, yeah, it's true. Like, all these blessings are there. Oh, man, but at the same time, did you see that overwhelming army that was there? There's absolutely no way. Does God really want us to go here? And what happened in this story is that immediately they took their eyes off of God. And immediately their, their fear, their uncertainty, their worry crept into the scenario and when that happens, much like them and for us, when we take our eyes off of God and we're starting to focus on the uncertainty of life, we're blinded. We can't see that he is powerful. We can't see that he has a purpose and that he has a plan. What these spies should have done in this moment when they were overwhelmed with their fear, what they should have said is, God, we're, we're fearful. We know what you've asked us to do, but there's a really, there's a giant army there. 
And God, if we're just being real with you, we're, we're staring at their army and we're, we're scared. We're, we're, we're worrying. And, and then what they should have done is they should have recalled on, on God's past promises that have been fulfilled. And you and I need to do that as well. When we look back at God's faithfulness and see how he's been good all along and he's got us to this point, there's no reason for you not to trust in him. And then lastly, they should have said, God, we, we, we need your help to, to to give our fears and our worries to you. We, we really need help. Church, if you, if you go through these three things that, that Peter describes here, it's going to take a great deal of humility in your life. Recognizing that God is in control. And each of these steps decreases the control that we think we have and gives all the control over to God who really does have it. When we do that, we're exactly where God wants us. There's going to be this thought on the screen. It says, lifelong battle of dependency. I think perhaps the worst thing I could do with this this morning is for you to leave here going, if I work through these three steps today, then tomorrow my worry and my anxiety... They're gone. That's not how this works. And I don't want you leaving here thinking that this is a quick fix, that this is something that can be eliminated overnight. If you are truly somebody that struggles with worry and anxiety, this is going to be a lifelong, daily battle of you depending on God Almighty. This is going to require you to wake up, your hearts cry every single day, God, I need you. Admitting those three steps, that you are in control and I am not, that you are good, you're in control, I trust you with today. It's going to have to take place every day. But because it has to take place every day does not mean that the peace of God can't show up every day. He's there and he wants to help you in your worry and in your anxiety, he is good. We just have to give him our worry and anxiety every single day. And what I love about the Gospels is that Jesus teaches on this. And if you're thinking in your mind about how Jesus teaches on this particular topic of worry, in the Gospels, this is what Jesus says. He says, don't worry about your life. That's what he says. How many of you here, like, you're like, okay, like if I was to preach that this morning and only that, we sang 30 minutes of songs, I got up here, the mic was turned on, and I said, hey, uh, don't worry about your life. Let's pray and get out of here. You'd be like, ah, right? Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. That's what Jesus says. He's a really good teacher. He says, hey, uh, uh, don't worry about your life. Okay, Jesus, how? Why? What? He says, I want you to look at the birds, Don't you see how how the birds have enough to eat and they don't even work for their food? I take care of them. How much more valuable are you than birds? If I'm going to take care of them, I'm going to take care of you. And he he keeps on teaching. He's a really good teacher. You need to read this part in the Gospels. And, And at the end, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Boy, how many of us are guilty of that? 
He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries for itself. So what Jesus is saying in this moment when he closes out his teaching on worry, he's saying, I've got enough for you today. And then once you get through today and see that I'm good and that I've got today, you're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to do it together all over again. He said, just trust me with today. Go to sleep, wake up, and trust me with tomorrow. Go to sleep, wake up, trust me with the next day. Guess what, church? You can trust Jesus. He's really good. But we have to understand that this is going to be a daily occurrence of relying on him. We've got to replace our worry and our anxiety with his peace. I'm reminded of this story back in Texas. Had this old timer give me a call. He said, preacher, uh, come out to the house. And if you're in the ministry and somebody says, come out to the house, you never know what's going to happen, ever. You just never know. Like, I'd much rather meet you uh, for coffee or for lunch. I go to your house. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and this is what he said. I want you to come out to my house. I'm going to give you directions. I said, why don't you just, like, give me your address. And I got an iPhone. I could just put it in Google Maps and I get there. He said, that ain't going to work. <laughs> That's how far I was going. Like, it wouldn't work. So I had written directions. When's the last time you had written directions to anywhere? So once I finally get there, it was a really good conversation. Way deep in the woods. I showed up at his house. And we're just small talking, kind of this get-to-know-you session. And what I noticed, and when you're, you know, we're talking with these old-timers, you've got to brag on their, their stuff, their, their area. And I was like, hey, man, like, your yard, I know, this is what guys talk about, your yard is really awesome. Like, it's beautiful. looks like a golf course. I said, man, I, I just can't get mine to look like that. I got, he said, well, I'm going to stop you right there. He said, you probably got that Bahia grass, don't you? I said, Yeah. Uh, in East Texas, even in Arkansas, like Bahia grass is everywhere. It, it, it plagues you. It, it, it dulls your mower blades. It doesn't look all that great. When it gets hot and dry, it's just brown. It's gross. And he said, yeah, you've probably tried everything you can to get rid of that. I said, yeah, man, I've, I've sprayed it. I've killed it. I've done everything that I can. He said, keep trying. Keep trying. He said, but the next summer, the seed's just going to blow right in. You're going to have Bahia grass all over again. He said, you want to get rid of that? you got to plant something in its place that's stronger, that its roots are going to grow deeper, that it's going to grow in more full and lush, and it'll start choking it out. I said, wow, uh, I want my yard to look like this. He said, this started with a two-by-two square over 30 years ago. We're talking acres of beautiful St. Augustine. You see, church, when we go to replace our worry and our anxiety in exchange for the peace of God, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take this daily battle of depending on the Lord. And if we start to take out and choke all that's bad and, and then replace it with the good, we can have victory over that worry and that anxiety. So what are you focusing on? I want to close with a, a, a passage of Scripture. It's out of Isaiah. It's beautiful. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. I want to read that again, and I want you to say peace with me. You will keep in perfect all who trust in you. All whose thoughts 
are fixed on you. You see, if we're going to have victory over our anxiety and our worry, we cannot focus on the things that we cannot control. We have to focus on the one who's over tomorrow. And when we give him our fears, when we give him our anxieties, when we give him our worries, his word is faithful. Many of you in here have experienced the peace that comes from Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it gives. Thank you that even in our worry, you meet us there. And all you ask is that we give it to you. And you are a perfect gift giver of peace. So God, I pray for those in this room this morning that are struggling with anxiety and worry. I pray, God, that they would give it to you in total humility and complete recognition that our worry does nothing. It can add not a single day to our life. trust you and I know God sometimes that's hard to hear that our worry is a result of not trusting you but that's what it is help us to trust in your flawless character help us to trust in your good nature help us to trust that our heavenly father absolutely above all else has our best interest in mind and that he was good yesterday and he's going to be good today and he's going to be good tomorrow. God, help us to trust you. And forgive us when we don't. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. And we ask everything in his precious and holy name.